Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Now, here's your host, Brian Moran. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Moran, and our guest today is Karen Naylor. She is the Assistant Dean, Community Partnerships, and Managing Director at Columbia Harlem Small Business Development Center. And I am very excited to talk to her today because she has some amazing stories to tell. And with that, I want to welcome to the Small Business Edge podcast, Karen Naylor. Welcome, Karen. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I I love anybody who is working with organizations that help business owners. Whether you're just starting out, whether you are in the cities or in the suburbs or in rural America, I, I think that's a those are special people that yeah. that that are willing to to listen to the stories and the hardships and kind of guide them in the right direction. So thank you in advance for all of the work that you and your SBDC do. Oh, you're very welcome. I mean, it it is uh, definitely it is a love of mine. You know, working with the clients that we work with, it's it's exciting to see their growth and and it's exciting when they come in excited about whatever their business is, whether they're at the idea stage or the growth stage. Yeah. If they're, they're like kids at Christmas, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until all the Christmas presents get taken away. Really they come are. back in and go, I didn't see that pit hole or, the pit hole or the, <laughs> that, that big block in the road that was going to derail my company. It, yeah, no, it is. I mean, it's, it, it's always, fun working with them because they have so many amazing ideas and, you know, and, and as, as a person who kind of guides them through it um, and just focuses them on it, we really just love to participate in their success in different ways. Love that. All right. So let's start off. Give give us a little bit of the background of you and your time at uh, the, the Columbia Harlem SBDC. Sure. So um, I actually grew up in Harlem. I grew up about four blocks away from where my office is right now. Um, And Harlem was a very different place uh, in the 80s, although actually now things are a little bit crazy uh, with COVID. So it's not that far off, but um, definitely looks very different from the way it looked about 40 years ago. Um, And so I actually went to um, law school here in the city. Um, and uh, got a certificate in intellectual property law. So I always knew that I wanted to work with business owners in in one way or another. I started off uh, doing some entertainment work and then worked for the city for a little bit and um, then found myself doing um, community development, community engagement um, for uh, an organization called the Harlem Children's Zone um, here in Harlem that works on anti-poverty efforts. Um, After a few years there, I started actually teaching adults. I was doing some adult education kind of, you know, on the the side, it was my side hustle. Um, And realized that for those adults who many of whom were returning um, to school, there really wasn't enough of a a focus on entrepreneurship and, and economic growth. Um, So I began teaching just kind of one class on how to start a business. And at the time, everyone was focused on business plans. So I helped mainly women, women of color, um, create their own business plans as part of the um, part of the work. 
And then I started bringing that back even into the anti-poverty work that we were doing at, um, at the Harlem Children's Zone and started having conversations with community members about um, starting their own businesses and, and, you know, doing it in different ways. Um, you know, it's not always the person who starts, you know, creates a business plan goes into a bank and, you know, gets funding, often people do just start off doing what they love. And then um, they come into our office and we say, okay, let's figure out how you can make this a side hustle, make some money off of this. Um, I remember we had some kids, uh, even when I was at Harlem Children's Zone, who were amazing artists. And so um, we would do these block parties and, you know, I'd pay them a little extra cash to do face painting. You know, and and that's kind of how how things, you know, really start and take off for many people. Um, And so I started my own family, started thinking about my career and growing it and what I wanted to do and the opportunity um, at the Small Business Development Center um, came up. So in 2012, the center, which had opened uh, three years prior at the engineering school of all places um, in a in a cafeteria. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a got a different space in Columbia Business School, and so I was very happy to um, be the the new director that came into the B School ten years ago, and um, and really just took it from there. I gotta imagine anybody that walks into your SBDC must feel like they hit a grand slam when they start talking to you, right? <laughs> in terms of you know, okay, this is a person who can help me answer most, if not all of my questions. I mean, that's got to be, they probably never leave, right? They probably get there eight o'clock in the morning and they help you shut out the lights when when you're done. (laughs) Some of them do. Um, Some of them do. I mean, I am not doing this by any means by myself. I have an amazing team. team. Um, We've got two business advisors. So we are Lean and mean, um, definitely. Two very experienced full-time business advisors. Um, one who does general business support, and he is just the most empathetic, caring, supportive, uh, guiding person that any any business owner or entrepreneur could meet. And then um, on the flip side, we have our finance person who really just you know whips them into shape and you know talks to them about knowing their numbers. And, you know, if you want to make money, this is what you do. You have mm-hmm. to know your numbers. You have to understand this. Um, and our clients just love both of them um, to pieces. So, so tell, tell us a little bit about your clients and the geography that you're serving right now. So we walk into your SBDC and what does a typical day look like? Who's walking in? What are the biggest problems that they're having and how are you helping them? Sure. So, um, the clients that we serve at this center and the Columbia Harlem Center is one of 24 in New York State, one of three just on the island of Manhattan, one of seven in New York City. Um, but because, of course, you know, the population of New York City is what it is, we, we, need, we need a lot of resources here. Um, so we generally work with uh, people that are starting or growing businesses in northern Manhattan. So we're focused on the area where Columbia University has four campuses. So upper Manhattan, uh, pretty much north of 96th Street, um, river to river 
is our um, regional area. We will work with um, clients outside of this region if we have the bandwidth, but that's fairly seldom. And, and we're very fortunate that uh, we are part of a network of, of seven other centers in the, in the immediate region. Generally, when they come in, um, they're coming in for, for one of two reasons. Either they want to start a business or they want to grow an existing business. And in some cases, they're coming in because something went wrong. That happens a lot. Yeah, something went wrong. Save their business. We're trying to save their business. Right, right. Uh, and so, you know, when we kind of look at those three categories, they are the same categories that, quite frankly, all of the 900 centers throughout the country are working with. Mm -hmm. As I'm sure you know, one out of every three small businesses does fail. And mm -hmm. the job of the SBDCs and, and the SBA is to make sure that they don't fail. Mm -hmm. And so um, what we find is that the sooner a business owner comes in, whether they're in trouble, whether they're starting a business or growing a business, we will work with them for the life of their business, as long as it remains a small business. And, and that's generally 500 employees or less, um, which is, you know, SME actually, so yeah. small and, and medium-sized business. Um, and what we find is the more resources that uh, any small business owner or entrepreneur um, accesses, the more successful they will be. And I'm, I'm sure you've talked about that. Uh, we are not living with them. We are not, you know, breathing with them, but we are available and we are a federally funded resource um, that is available to anyone um, who comes in and, and meets those requirements. Um, so, yeah, so generally they're coming in. And I think one of the differentiators for our center um, is that, you know, we have the resources of Columbia University and we have the resources of Columbia Business School. So that includes not only our faculty, staff, and students, but that includes a curriculum that is uh, a cutting-edge Ivy League curriculum. Wow! So when we are teaching, and you know, our core services are training mm -hmm. as well as one-to-one -one business counseling. The training that we're offering is based on the Columbia curriculum, the Columbia Business School curriculum. Yeah. And the one-to-one -one counseling that we offer is um, not only offered by our very well-trained business advisors, but we also have some extended resources in that our MBA students, our alumni, you know, our, our faculty are always there. You know, if we say, oh, we've got someone who needs help in this, you know, like it's a press of a button and, and we can usually get the answer pretty quickly. So that's the first takeaway from this podcast. Well, actually it's the second. The first one is, it sounds like you have an incredible uh, all-star lineup at the uh, at the SBDC where you're working at, and uh, everybody should flock to it today, yeah. right? Yeah. Or tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah. But you just tapped into something that I don't understand why every business owner is not looking at, and that is what are my local and in many cases free available resources to help me run my business? Because the, the last few years told us anything, it's that we're in uncharted territory, right? right? Whether it's you're dealing with COVID, supply chain, labor issues, or inflation, right? We don't know how to predict the future. What's going to happen with my variable costs? How do I get my, my goods off of that ship? How do I reach customers if they're not going to be coming into my store? Now, all of these things, and 
I watch business owners who try to figure it out themselves. Even the smartest people, you know, know that they can't figure it all out by themselves. So pick up the phone, or get on your computer and find out where your local SBDC is or your score chapter or your SBA office or a chamber of commerce or a women's, uh, you know, business development center. The fact of the matter is you could type in small business resources near me. And in, and in most cases, you know, you'll get six to 10 sites that pop up and that you could walk into and say, can someone explain social media to me? Can somebody help me with my finances or get a loan or hire customers or find out, I mean, hire employees or find out where my customers are. So that that's a great takeaway. So, so thank you for that. Yeah. Me, I mean, course, I was going to say, I think one of the one of the benefits to having this network, whether it's within the state or within the country, is that we are regional. So, um, you know, if you live in an area or are working in an area that is an agricultural area, that's a rural area, the resources at that center are geared towards what you're doing, you know, Um, and that I think is is something that people don't necessarily think of. They think, oh, it's general business support. No. It is general, but it's also regional. I, yeah. you know, if someone comes to me and they say, oh, I want to open a business in Albuquerque and I need a realtor. I don't know a realtor in Albuquerque, but I have a phone number for an SBDC Perfect. in Albuquerque. Yes. You know? I love that. You know what? If you don't ask, you don't get. Right. That's the other thing, right? So you got questions. You're not, this is what you are. You know, that this is what you do. You help people answer questions and solve problems. So I want to bring up, uh, you know, I did a little bit of homework on on your site and your and the work that you do. And you do some really neat kind of innovative things. And the first thing I want to talk about is this Shop Harlem Made website. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that, what the thought was behind it and, and how it came about? Sure. So um, Shop Har- the Shop Harlem Made website was actually kind of a secondary a program to a program that we have called the Harlem Local Vendor Program. And that was really designed to to encourage small-scale manufacturing of artisanal uh, products. So the Harlem Local Vendor Program is a um, nine-month program for, as I said, makers of artisanal um, products. They're food products, gift products, beauty products that are made in, in many cases by women and in many cases by women of color that are ready to kind of move from, you know, making this product out of their house or um, selling it at their church to now getting it on the shelves. Um, it's, a, it's a program that we do in partnership with um, Whole Foods Market. Oh, wow. Yeah, with um, Harlem Community Development Corporation, which is part of our New York State Economic Development um, Association and with Harlem Park to Park, which is our local merchants association. So you've got, you know, just all of these resources working together to support the manufacture of these small, um, these small scale uh, manufacturer uh, artists, I'm sorry, makers and getting their products on shelves. So those products at the end of the nine months are offered the opportunity to um, get on the shelves at Columbia University's uh, cafes and stores, as well as some of our local retail partners. 
and Whole Foods Market also. If they're ready to get into Whole Foods, that that's kind of how Whole Foods that was their initial value proposition was regional goods, regional products. And yeah. so, you know, we it's partner like the Holy Grail. It is. And so kind of they they are happy to incubate some of those locally made products in the Harlem store. And then once they get into that store, they can go throughout New York City, throughout New York State, the region, in some cases national. And then of course with the with the Amazon purchase, that has just allowed so much opportunity for small scale businesses in, in so many different ways. Um, and, and, and we're happy to work with that too. Is there also an e-commerce component to it? There is. So what we found was uh, while we were doing that program, um, part of what we needed to do was actually teach people how to create uh, their online platforms. Mm-hmm. And so um, they were encouraged to do web design um, and with that web design and that create, you know, creating their own online store, we decided to create um, kind of a marketplace. And that's what Shop Harlem Made is. So anyone who goes onto the Shop Harlem Made website is going to be able to connect with some of those locally made um, producers and purchase their products through their own websites. Wow. So here's a funny story. This is 16 years ago. I came out with a magazine called Urban Success, and it was for inner city entrepreneurs. This is when I had my own publishing company. And um, I remember, you know, I like to keep my fingers on the pulse of what's happening right within the market. And so I ran a a boot camp for inner city entrepreneurs at a a Baptist church in, in Hackensack, New Jersey. And uh, it was so awesome. And I still keep in touch with some of the people who attended, but there were probably 20 or so businesses there. And this is, you know, if you remember, I mean, it was like 2005, 2006. So where the internet was back then versus today, it's like night and day. And, and I asked them like what some of the biggest struggles were that they had in business. And it was, there were some unique situations that they had talked about, but one that really resonated with me was a, a woman, I think she had a restaurant, either a restaurant or a, a kind of a, um, a, a retail store and that she had different products in it. And she said, you know, Brian, the, the problem that I have is not getting people in my neighborhood to shop in my store, eat in my restaurant. The, the problem that I have, the obstacle I have is how do I get you to come into my restaurant and my retail store? And I remember that and it kind of stuck with me. And I said, you know, I feel like there's this just a major disconnect here between what's happening in the inner city and what's happening in the outlying, you know, DMA, right? The, uh, the, the metropolitan area. And um, I said, you know, that that's something that I've, I've written about a lot, just how when things go wrong, when everything goes sideways, like the pandemic or like the Great Recession, it becomes every man, woman and child for themselves. And I always said, you know, I felt like the inner city was always getting cut off from government programs or getting cut off from opportunities around, you know, that, that, that they were just became forgotten. And, and I remember um, as the internet, as, as the, the internet developed and e-commerce developed, I wrote another article and I said, boy, this is a tremendous opportunity for a company like Google mm-hmm. to step in and really help inner city businesses um, tell their story to the rest of the world. 
where it's, you know, now I have these unique one of a kind products and you can buy from the comfort of your home, whether you're in the next town, the next city or another country. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you bring that up. So before the pandemic, this is kind of one of the things that has changed before the pandemic, the um, kind of the the biggest value that our small businesses had, and, and it's not just in the inner city, it's kind of around the country, was those relationships between the per, you know, the person who's going into the main street store in, mm-hmm. instead of, you know, the online store, it's, you know, and we always kind of encourage, well, what's your customer relationship like? How, how are you bringing people in the door? How are you greeting them? What's the experience that they have in the store? Pandemic just, you know, we know obliterated business norms, main street business norms as we knew them. And so during the pandemic, we really encouraged businesses and it was not fun for them to shift. Obviously, they had to make a pivot in order to stay alive. Um, And in many cases, those kind of main street location stores are now operating two businesses. They're operating the business that's physically in you know, you walk in, you buy whatever you want, and then they're also operating this um, this online business. And, and you see that no more clearly than like a Starbucks or, you know, any coffee shop, right. any restaurant where you stand there, you're waiting for your food and you realize that half of the orders that are going out are going to, you know, delivery men or delivery yeah. men. Um, and so at the same time, we started thinking about even our core curriculum, which, as I said, was based on the Columbia Business School curriculum. So we talked about, we did classes on finance and marketing and operations, and even the marketing changed. It wasn't anymore like, you know, the four Ps. It was really, okay, we're teaching you the four Ps, but we got to get you online. You know, we got to get you in Shopify. We got to get you in Amazon. And so one of the things that we have now done is we've brought in a digital marketing business advisor who's part-time and is teaching all those things. She's teaching Google Analytics. You know, we do kind of website development. We do a, um, a program on, you know, how do you create your brand assets? How do you create your um, origin story on video? So now you have more content for your, um, for your website. And um, we're actually in the process of building out a social media studio. I read that. I read yes. that. Tell me about that, because that looked so, exciting. Yeah. So, um, so our center is actually located in the David Geffen Hall at Columbia Business School. Wow. And wow. so um, in our new building, we have an innovation lab, which is a co-working space. And um, because, you know, the, the building is David Geffen, I said, all right, so where are we, where are we putting the media? How do we add the media in? Um, and so we started even with those, those businesses I talked about, those um, small artisanal makers. Tomorrow, they are getting a product photography course. They will be here all day oh and they will yeah. learn from a professional photographer how to use their phones to take professional photographs of their products. Um, And then, and we started that during the pandemic because people couldn't come in for that, but we said, all right, let's teach them that, you know, while they're at home, now they're coming in. And now we said, let's expand it even further. So now we've got, they're learning how to, you know, take pictures of their products. They've learned how to create a video telling the story of their brand. Next step is, 
social media studio, which we, we know our students also will love because they already asked about it. Yeah. Um, and a podcasting studio. Really, it is how are we allowing, how are we engaging our businesses to create content online and create relationships online with their customers because it's not happening in person in the same way. And we don't necessarily think that it will happen in person in the same way that it did before 2020. That's amazing. It, it, it's amazing how far the SBDCs have come and, the, and, and really understanding the needs of your, you know, your clients when they, before they walk in the door. Listening to this, you know, this was, I, I've been working with SBDCs for probably 25 years, right? And, and just to see how far you've come in terms of the relationships that you develop, you know, it's not one and done. You know, it's, as you said, it's the life of the business. And, you know, I'd love to see them be proactive. That's the one thing. I'd love to see a business be proactive that before you come to that fork in the road and make a decision, go left, go right, you know, that says open a new location or, you know, hire more employees or, you know, whatever, whatever that is that you, you go to your SBDC and you ask them, should I go left or should I go right? Because that decision is going to cost me a lot of money. And if I make a bad decision, like if I open a new location and six months later I'm drowning because I don't have the time, that's too late, right? That's too late to to help somebody, to help a business. But I love where you're coming from because, you know, even, even though the pandemic, you know, may subside and we may at some point get back to what we've view as normal living, I think the people's buying habits have changed permanently. And it's much more of an e-commerce relationship. And that's an opportunity for businesses in Harlem, in inner cities, where they feel like in some cases, you know, we're kind of, we're not that Main Street, New York City business. We're in a neighborhood, right? We can crush it in our neighborhood, but how do we go beyond that? This to me is the greatest opportunity in, I don't know, since the internet was born for, for inner city and rural businesses, right? Where, where you're saying, I don't have the foot traffic that other businesses enjoy, but I can, and I can certainly expand way, way beyond my neighborhood and my region to grow my business. Right. I mean, I think even beyond that, and this is why we, we kind of talk about the importance of telling the story is you also have a group of consumers that is so interested in the values of every business that they, yes. that they support. And so they want to know the story in a different way. It's no longer about, you know, for some people it is still, is this the cheapest product? But even for those that are looking at the cheapest product, they want to know that that the business they are supporting is doing some good in the world, and so absolutely having that origin story, having that direct connection with customers, has become more important than ever. And especially as we're moving towards a different generation of consumers, the millennials mm-hmm. and everyone who follows beyond that, these kids are they understand the value of money. Mm-hmm. in a whole different way. And they are like, we are supporting what we want to support and we are looking at things in a different way. And so 
part of this also for us is really looking at sustainable businesses and how we can encourage small businesses to incorporate environmental sustainability in every element of their business. It's also very important for the culture of the business to mirror whatever the investors, the, um, the, the customers, the staff um, actually you know, supports. And on top of that, there's, a, there's an innovation component that the, the country has been moving towards for the past 15 years. We've been teaching our kids STEM for mm-hmm. 15 years. Um, and one of the biggest challenges that we saw that, you know, just brought up was that tech divide. And it wasn't just, uh, you know, a, around inner city and, and rural. It wasn't about race. Often it was generational. You've got kids. My kids can rattle off the different languages that they know. And I'm kind of, you know, I don't even know what they're talking about. They start talking about HTML and CSS and Python and this. And I'm just like, okay, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. When all is said and done, you guys will be the ones to take over. Um, yeah. And so part of the other conversation that, that we've had over the past few years is um, how are these businesses incorporating technology? How are they incorporating automation how are they incorporating environmental sustainability and how are they preparing for the next generation to take over of all things? Right. Kids have some amazing ideas. Honestly, the media studio came from me watching my kids on TikTok all day wow. and realizing, okay, they are now, you know, they have more disposable income than I do at this point. Right, right. I'm telling you, I want to come back as, as like as one of my kids. You know? I just get, get anyone. I got four kids. I'll take any one of them. Let me come back as them with my knowledge. Right, my right. Knowledge. That's the one caveat. I need to know what I know now, but send me back, you know, 25, 30 years. Right, right. So we are, you know, coincidentally, we're launching a new program to teach entrepreneurship and bookkeeping mm. to high school students. So that they can support um, some of the existing community businesses that, um, you know, as you know, more than anyone, these, the business owners, they start a business and they're, you know, they're doing about five jobs at once. Yeah. And being able to kind of grow a community of supporters um, from within their own families, in some cases, um, it is, you know, it's an amazing opportunity to kind of say, okay, we're going to teach high school students, QuickBooks, we will teach them how to become bookkeepers. And then we will actually support them by connecting them with some of our small businesses so that they can earn some extra money when they start college. Cause you can do that from anywhere. That is brilliant. So that, is, yeah. that is one of our, our, our passion projects that's launching this summer. I, I love that. My, so my son, I'll tell you a quick story. And then I want to ask you about two companies. My son, uh, when the pandemic hit, he's in IT. He graduated from college. He works for a tech company down in Austin, Texas. When he was home, uh, all of a sudden, he's, hey, uh, Gene, Gene's in IT, right? Yeah. Can he come over to our house? Because all of a sudden, our, uh, our internet is so slow. We keep getting kicked off. Well, what happened was when everybody moved home, right? And by the way, I said this before. I didn't see the memo that said any kid under 35 when the pandemic hit suddenly moves home. Right. I didn't get that memo. And that, and that dad pays for everything. 
So he he was getting calls from all of our friends and saying, you know, can he come over and take a look at our internet? And, you know, invariably it was, well, you've got, you know, 24 devices running on it <laughs> and half of them are video. You know, either somebody's watching a movie on their phone or somebody's on a Zoom call. And he goes, it's taxing the router and the modem. You need you need to update it and you need right. to get a, like a mesh network. I only know what that is because I've heard him say it like 50 times. <laughs> But it was amazing. And that summer, he was as busy as ever helping people with their with their IT locally. And yeah. uh, so God bless him. You know, that that was that was very helpful. All right. Quick question. So you, you I know you've had some great success stories at your SBDCs, right? There's Sweet Lawrence and Janie's life changing baked goods. Please tell me that their their products are available and I can buy them online. So actually, Sweet Lauren's is everywhere. You can go into almost any store in the country, any grocery store in the country. Okay. Um, And she has just this amazing story. So she came in um, very early when I I think it was 2012 when when I first started. Um, And she had the story around um, she created a cookie because um, she had um, there was some cancer in her family and Mm. she really wanted to. to create something that was healthy enough for her family members to eat. Um, and she very quickly, you know, got a contract. She, she came here, she got a contract and that business has just grown in so many different ways. And, and now she is, you know, a competitor with, um, with the best of them. You can, as I said, go into the refrigerated cookie case of, of many different grocers yeah. and find some sweet Lawrence cookies. And it's ironic that almost 10 years later, Janie's life-changing baked goods came in and um, also a social business, a social venture. Janie came in. She was a second chance employer. She's also a person who at at one point in her life had suffered from um, homelessness and addiction. And she started creating this amazing cookie that has a pie crust on the bottom. It's, you know, it's called a a pie crust cookie. (laughs) And so um, she started working with us a few years ago, participated in the Harlem Local Vendor Program. And since then, she's been featured on Chopped. I think she's, you know, the last I heard was she just hired, she was hiring her 17th employee. She's looking for multiple locations. Um, And she was, it's funny, she she was selling her products here at Columbia in um, in some of our cafes. And then after the pandemic, we said, oh, you know, Janie, we want you to, she was like, I, I, she can't do it. She was like, I'm too big now. Like I have a, oh, I have a distributor God. and you know, my, my smallest amount is this. And we were like, wow, like what an amazing success story. Uh, um, and I know she, yeah, she won shop. She's been on, you know, food network a few times. I mean, our, our businesses do very well. And it's just funny because I look at them like literally 10 years later, these cookies, every, you know, these, these amazing women launching these cookie companies. And we, you know, we have food companies all the time that do desserts, but they found some differentiators, which really made the difference in, in how those particular businesses would work. And, and they just, they've done amazing. I'm, I'm so happy and so proud to even be able to tell their stories. I love that. I love that. And and I want to come visit you at your Harlem, oh, Columbia, uh, SPDC. 
and and see that. I definitely want to check out that social media studio when it goes when it <laughs> launches in the fall. But you've got such a great story, and I'm so glad you you joined us today to share it. And mm-hmm. I think uh, I think everybody. You know, in Upper Manhattan, if you're listening, you know, check out. Oh, and that's the question I was going to ask you is if people wanted to uh, reach out to you or to the other people at your your SBDC, what's the best way for them to do that? The best way to reach us is by email. Okay. Um, our email address is sbdc at columbia.edu. SBDC at Columbia EDU, and they could visit you uh, online on your website, probably, right? Yes, yes, definitely. I never remember our website address. <laughs> well, you could you just look it up. Just do a Google search. Okay, yeah, do a Google smarter search. than me. They'll, yeah. they'll find you. They're, yeah. They're, they will that's, find you. But I, I really, I, I appreciate the time that you took today to tell us about all the great work that you're doing. And I would love to stay in touch with you. And uh, so when I come into New York, I want to I want to visit your SBDC. I want I want to go find Janie's life changing baked cookies to change my life. Uh, I'm definitely going to buy Sweet Lawrence. Oh, the last thing I'm going to say, the, the shop Harlem made website. Do you yes. know that that what that website URL is? That is just shopharlemmade.org. Shopharlemmade.org. And I'll put that on the resource page and we'll promote it. Well, I can't thank you enough. Like I said, this was great today. I hope my listeners enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, And I appreciate our listeners because they give us tremendous feedback, suggestions, ideas, uh, what we did right, what we did wrong. So please keep that coming. And um, we look forward to having you on um, the next episode of Small Business Edge podcast. Until then, everyone, take care and go visit shopharlemmade.org. Enjoy the day. You've been listening to the Small Business Edge podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Please visit our website, smallbusinessedge.com, for a listing of future podcasts.